Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Best friends forever. Yo, this is the fantasy best friends forever here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Alongside Frankie Stanfield, I am Greg Sussman. Frankie! What's going on, bud? Frankie! Welcome back. Happy Monday, Greg. If you didn't know who DK Metcalf is, you certainly know now. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. I have weird dreams lately, though. Weird dreams. So yeah. uh, that means you've been sleeping. How have you been sleeping? Uh, I was up, like, several times last night, but, like, weird dreams. Like, I don't remember weird them now, like but, like, not dreaming stuff. about Matt Modica? Not dreaming about Matt Modica. You probably should be. Oh, I, I, that would be a good dream. I, I appreciate that. Matty Mo, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, guys? How's it going today? You uh, you upgraded from a Mets hat to a Twins hat this week. Well, I, I saw the poll uh, Frank Stanford put out, or you put out. I'm not sure which one. So I figured it was uh, apropos. There you go, Jose Barrios. There you go, Barrios. There it is. There it is. Where's your Cincinnati Reds hat, Matt? That I do not own one. So that not, was not an option. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, but not being, yet. Exactly. Being the biggest fan of Luis Castillo, I think you need one, Matty Mo. Uh, you know what? I've, I guess I've become the biggest fan or his PR spokesman on Twitter, at least. Uh, it's because I, I think some of the statements that are made about him aren't factually correct. Or if you do an overview, you know, there's a lot more than uh, that meets the eye. Matt's been banging this drum for Luis Castillo. For a while. It's a true story, Matt. Last night I was texting <laughs> Greggy and I said, I'm looking forward to you and Matt going head to head on Luis Castillo uh, because Greg Sussman owned Luis Castillo last year. He was thoroughly disappointed. Uh, and I know, again, yeah, you're, you're banging that drum. So uh, it's going to be fun. Well, it's interesting. You know what? I, we last, last week, we, on Friday, Frankie, we kind of jumped around a lot, right? We started going in order with, with Nick. And then when Venture came up here, we just, you know. We just jumped all over the place. So I thought today uh, we do the same thing and just jump all over the place. And that's why I want to start. I want to start with Luis Castillo because we've talked about some of the hot names that are going off the board, some of the sexier names, and you you hear about um, the Pavettas and the Shane Beavers of the world and, and so on and fo- so forth. But those guys are going after a Luis Castillo, who over the last 10 days or so in the NFBC, Luis Castillo is up to the 37th pitcher off the board at about pick 112. Again, that's in the last you know 10 days or so um, in the NFBC. Matt, Luis Ca- it's amazing because if you didn't own Luis Castillo last year, you obviously, and we can say this for a lot of players, if you didn't own a guy last year, you have a totally different mindset of this player. And when the, uh, the end of the text message that I sent to Frank was... Mattery knows my arguments. Like, I owned this guy through July last year, and it was miserable. It was a miserable, miserable, miserable experience. And I dropped him, and I felt good about dropping him, and I never looked back. And by never looking back, I obviously missed what he did, of course, in August and September when he turned it around. But my question for you is, 
What makes you so sure, and I don't know how so sure you are, but what makes you so sure that the Luis Castillo that we saw in August and September of last year is the guy that we're going to get from April on this year? Uh, I'll, I'm anxiously awaiting this opportunity. And I did a tweet the other day showing, you know, three months of sub uh, three ERA by Luis Severino and Luis Castillo and ERAs north of five for both uh, Luis Severino and Luis Castillo. One was drafted as an ace. The other was drafted as your second or third starting pitcher. One went off the board as a 29th pick last year. One was the 80th pick. Uh, just real quick, when you look at your end-of-season valuations, Severino didn't lose that much money compared to, you know, he lost money, but he was pretty much in line of what you would have figured him to be. Castillo gets crushed in the end-of-season uh, valuations. My point is, if you had your ace that you basically couldn't use for the second half of the season because he had a 5 ERA and a 141 whip, the same whip that Castillo had in his first three months that were terrible, that's like you know having your stud starting running back who you had a bench for the second half of the season or who gave you negative points each week. So I don't think people really look at it that way. Uh, too often. They just see the end of the season. Well, I had Severino for 28. He made 23. So it wasn't that bad. It was really bad because that guy was your ace. Why I'm confident in Louis Castillo this year is no one argues about his stuff. That's not an argument anybody ever makes. Uh, the first half, the first three months where he pitched to a, like a 585 ERA and a 141 whip. Uh, the fastball velocity was down like a mile and a half to almost two miles. Uh, in the second half, he got the increased uh, velo on the fastball. He used the slider and change 10% more while decreasing the fastball. Now, he has a fastball that, you know, we, as we saw in that second half, was almost about 97 miles an hour. Uh, you know, you have to have control of your command of the fastball is, you know, something that really helps the pitcher. His fastball needs to improve. Even though you throw it hard, you got to know where it's going and where to place it. So he's got two pitches that he got 40% whiffs on last year. Not a lot of pitchers can say that in Major League Baseball. Is he a guarantee? No, but neither is Barrios, neither is Wheeler, and neither is Herman Marquez. I mean, Marquez, out of the foursome, has probably the best skill set and he pitched to a sub three ERA at uh, excuse me a sub three xFIP at home last year, but when you look at the surface stats, it just shows you how difficult and what a monster Coors is. No matter how good you are, Coors can still defeat you. I look at what Luis Castillo did in that second half, where you and you make a lot of good points throughout that. Speaking of Luis Severino and Luis Castillo, like I get it, I I, I, I hear what you're saying, but. In July, where he really went off, ERA was great, FIP was great, and then a brutal August. Like, that inconsistency was still there. And, Frankie, maybe you can answer this question. Like, Castillo, as Matt said, was coming off the board in, like, as your third or so starting pitcher last year. Approximately what pick was that last year? You remember? That was pick 80 last year. It was pick 80 last year. So you're getting him... pick 80-09. Okay, perfect. That was awesome. You're getting him about 30, 30 picks, picks later. later this or so. so about two rounds later, yeah. No, you were, getting, you were getting him 50 picks later than San Marino. Well, you know what I'm saying. This this year, oh, Luis Castillo... You're, oh, you're getting sure. Luis Castillo oh. this yep. year 30 picks later than you were last year. Correct. But most people are still getting him as their SP3. That's true. To be fair. That's true. 
Are you are it, it, basically are you comfortable with that, Matt? Are you comfortable with this guy as your SP three taking him again in the seventh round? Yeah, no, I think you're probably gonna have to want to pay in a six round price or early, mm-hmm. early seventh. Okay, you know, depending on the format and stuff. But my case is uh, the talent is there. Is uh, I'll continue to say, none of these four are a lock to deliver. Look, Zach, Zach Wheeler was awesome for the past, you know, like over oh, over three months last year. But I mean. I just can't, you know, say Zach Wheeler is definitely going to do it. There's a lot of indicators. I mean, Zach Wheeler in in that stretch where he was amazing, he had a home run to fly ball percentage of 5.9%. He had a BABIP of 250. He had a left on base percentage of like 80 something, like 83, 84%. So if you, you know, just pull those numbers back a little to the norm, you know, he's really got to ramp it up again. And I like Zach Wheeler. I'm not talking bad about him. I'm just trying to make the case that after the first, you know, 13 pitchers, that's why, you know, I want to live in a certain area when I'm drafting, when I'm setting my KDS. You know, it gets riskier and riskier, whether it's injuries, inexperience, or track record. Yeah, and Matt's definitely right about that. Like, I have my top 13. The tier ends with Syndergaard. And we we talked about that tier a lot last year, uh, last week, Greg. Where it's, you know, at middle tier, you know, once you get into like the early third round, it's like your Severino, Carrasco, Walker Bueller, Syndergaard. That's that's my that cuts off my thirteen. That's the end of a we, tier. We talked about this. Man, I mean, how have I know the I know the answer to this, but for the listening audience and people watching at home and how, probably Greg. And Greg, how have you <laughs> how have you been constructing your pitching? Because I know you're big on, you know, you have to have a plan heading into your draft. Are you trying to get two of these top 13 pitchers and then, you know, maybe in that 6th, 7th round range you're trying to get a Luis Castillo or maybe even a little bit later on a Shane Bieber as your SP3 or or Zach Wheeler, one of these guys? Do you have to have one of these top 13 pitchers or, or is that how you've wanted most of your drafts to come out with one of these top, uh, two of these top guys uh, to to lead your staff for this season? Uh, I don't have to have one. I prefer to have one. Uh, look, if somebody fell on the hitting side that was too good to pass up, he overweighed that that ace value, and I figured I'm just going to you know load up on starting pitching. I'm I'm always going to make audibles at the draft table, but mm-hmm. as you said, I'm going to walk in there with with a plan, and I do want to grab. I'm totally fine with Syndergaard uh, as my ace. I mean, he has the skill set, and even in a down year, look what he was able to do. So uh, he's come out and said he's going to bet on himself and all that. He's not taking one of these uh, team-friendly deals and stuff like that. So I want to have at least one of those aces. Uh, That's why picking in the top, say, five, really, in my opinion, gives you an advantage in that second and third rounds. Because the end of the second, early third, you don't have to take a pitcher at the end of the second. But if if that's the highest guy on your board and you want to do that, you can either fortify your hitting, take your first ace, and it gives you that option in the third, early third round to grab even a second ace. I mean, if, if you started off with, say, Garrett Cole under the second, and Carlos Carrasco was sitting there in the beginning of the third, that's tough to pass up. Because if you take those two, you can really just start pounding hitters. I understand you're passing up on elite hitting as well there, but you already got a first-round hitter, and there's plenty of good guys in rounds four and five. Yeah. I, 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 I think that's well put. I, I, agree. I think I think what I agree. Matt said about you know the obviously I mean you could say this about any position, but obviously with pitching it, I mean it's even uh, it's it's more under a microscope. Is once you get past those first thirteen, it's like the lower you go, 
it's like there's going to be more and more questions. Yeah, like yeah. It, there's going to be question marks with all of these guys in this range. So, you know, I can't dispute that. I currently have Luis Castillo ranked as my 23rd starting pitcher. I have him right behind Jose Barrios. I know some people might uh, prefer Castillo to Barrios. Um, I mean, we're skipping over a whole tier, which we'll get to like as as we go as on. As the day goes on today, we'll get to them. But uh, you know, Luis Castillo is one of these guys. He's very polarizing. You know, like a lot of people want to hear about him. What is there to like? To me, I still haven't ranked as my SP23. I feel like there's a lot of moving parts. Again, you could say this for a lot of these pitchers in this range. It seems like no matter what you say about Castillo, like there needs to be things that go right for him to pay off this value. Again, same thing for a lot of the guys in this range, but Which, there's just a lot of inconsistencies, though. Like, uh, the ERA by month, Modica, I mean, it's just all over the place. Like, last year, April, 7.85, May, 3.48, June, 6.75, July, 2.25, August 5.57, September 1.09. And, and how all about over this? the place, man. How, how about this? He has one of the same problems that Jose Barrios has as well. Those home roads uh, splits are stark. Mm-hmm. Castillo was like dominant at home. He had like a 29% uh, strikeout percentage, uh, maybe a 5% walk percentage, and his XFIP was like three. That's a great American, you know, they like to joke around great American small park, whatever you want to call it. He was really good at home. His problem is even at home on the road, he gave him 14 homers at home, 14 homers on the road. Mm -hmm. That's something that needs to, you know, get closer to the average as opposed to being such an outlier. You know, you you can't just keep giving up the uh, long ball constantly. And and I think that could correct a bit. I'm not saying he's going to totally solve it. But this is the same thing with Barrios. I mean, he is night and day home in the road. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, Barrios, 3.03, 3.03 ERA at home last year, 4.85 on the road. Castillo, 3.51 at home, 5.03 on the road, which is weird, again, because he pitches in Cincinnati. Like, that was one of the first things that stood out to me. Why does he pitch so well at home? Is it just like a comfort factor kind of thing? I, it doesn't make sense because it's, te- it's known as a smaller ballpark, a hitter's ballpark. Well, it's weird. It, it, it is, and that makes me a little bit nervous drafting. Is that a number that could go up? I, I know the FIP and the XFIP were not that far away from that 3-5 number at home in, in general, which is a good thing. Here's, I just want to jump in a second. Like, right one, thing that, one thing that does confuse me, if we look at like Castillo last year was going off the board at 80, he's dropped some picks. You know, He's pulled back in, in ADP. But a guy like Tanaka, who went one pick after him last year, is going even further back. And I really like Tanaka. He's got some of the same problems. You know, the home run ball really hurts him. But he's a guy that I I just think that has a skill set. And, okay, maybe you're not getting 180 innings out of him. But I think he's one of the most undervalued pitchers out there. And I think that's probably one of the bigger takeaways here, Greg, is look, basically with Barrios, if you're playing in a 15-team league, you're taking him in the fifth round. Yep. Uh, Castillo in a 15-team league, you're getting him in the sixth round. Uh, Wheeler, you're getting him in the sixth round, and with Herman Marquez, he's he's more of a uh, a fifth round pick with Barrios. So you got Barrios and Marquez in the fifth round, and you have Castillo and Wheeler in the sixth round. If you ask me, and where I've kind of been living is, you're getting Tanaka or even a Chris Archer, who I find interesting. You're getting those guys a round or two later at times. Same thing with Shane Bieber, right? So like, if you like this tier and you want one of these guys to be your SP three, you could kind of just wait instead of taking. Mar- Marquez or Barrios in the in the fifth, or even Castillo in the sixth, you can wait like two rounds later, and you can get Tanaka or Chris Archer or Shane Bieber in like the eighth as your SP3. It just, if you really buy that those guys are about to break out, because 
there's definitely signs. Like, with those four specifically that I put in the poll today, Wheeler, Marquez, Castillo, and Berrios, there are signs that they're, like, on the cusp of the breakout. But again, as we've been talking about specifically with Castillo here, there's also risk. There is. And I want to get into Berrios a little bit deeper because what Berrios has, even to a larger extent than Luis Castillo had, he's a former top prospect, right? And we cannot quit former top prospects in believing what they can become. And that leads, that'll lead you to Byron Buxton, the, the teammate of Jose Barrios, who's hit all these home runs in the spring and all these RBIs and whatnot. And people continue to jump in on him probably earlier than they should. Jose Barrios, we have waited and waited for him to become a legitimate ace. We've seen signs in certain months over the last several years that, hey, he can become that ace. That's why you get in on him at his current ADP. That's why you don't potentially wait on a Shane Bieber or Pavetta, that tier, rather than taking Barrios now, right? Like, that is the quadri you find yourself in. So when we come back, Matt, I want to ask you, you to answer that question. Can Jose Barrios become an ace? A guy that you're taking much earlier next year. That's why you're taking him where he is, because you believe he can become that guy. Is this the year it all comes to fruition for Jose Barrios? Matt Modiga answers that next. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round. We never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 Scout Fantasy Sports With Harper, it's a lot of unfilled potential so far. He's only really had one huge fantasy season. His average is all over the map. That's the biggest problem. He was 249 last year. I mean, just look at these last five years. 273, 330, 243, 319, 249. So where is the real Bryce Harper? Weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Sickness going around the office right now, Frank. Matt, good thing you're you're at home in Jersey. <laughs> Everyone's Everybody's calling out. Everybody's a little bit out. of snow on the ground. Nobody wants to come snow to work. Day. That's what it is, man. Matt, I got to get your opinion here because we we're talking about this during the break, and I've long been a fan of facial hair 
And I've been trying to get Greggy out here growing some facial hair for a while now. And I got to say, Greggy, I am loving the scruff, man. So I am loving the scruff. So I'm so happy you brought this up today, Frank, because I plan on bringing it up, obviously. So Naturally. I have not shaved in over a week at this point. Other than the oh. neck to clear, you know, make it look cleaner. My man. Like how it looked. Did you lose a bet? Nope. <sighs> nope. So I recorded, so when I was recording the videos this morning, I looked at myself in the monitor. It's a pretty good time to go to my eyes, so. Um, so I was looking at myself in the monitor. Monitor. Mon- there it is. Okay. Finally. So I was looking at myself in the monitor and I was like, you know what? Can't really see much. It doesn't really look like anything's going on here. It doesn't really look like much of a difference. I notice it. Did I notice you, it in person. Do you? We've got a little five o'clock shadow green. A little bit. On. Maddie Mo, what do you think? Should he keep it? Should he grow it out? I plan on shaving it like if I didn't like how it looked, I was gonna shave it tomorrow morning. No, stop, Greg. Yeah. Just it's it's time no, for something different. For a little while. It's gonna be cold this week. I like a little scruff. Yeah. If I don't shave, it's usually because I'm just lazy. Sure. But uh I'm not down with all these, you know, beatnik beards and stuff like that, to be honest with you. Well, what do you think of mine, Matty Mo? Is it a right? What do you think? You're just very clean right now. Clean, yeah. yeah it usually it isn't. It's that bad. I mean, you don't have one of these ones that are growing out and like, you know, like your Dallas Keiko and stuff. Yeah. And, and look, how, look how that worked out for Dallas Keiko. Doesn't even have a job. Doesn't even have a job. Doesn't even have a job. It's probably because of the beard. I think Poor so. Poor guy. So yeah, so I got this. So the real question is if I'm going to shave tomorrow because I'm seeing Judy's parents tomorrow night. Oh, don't do that. So They we'll told see. me they like beards. I don't know that they do. But I'm kind of interested. I'm sure they do. I'm not sure what I'm gonna, I'm not sure what I'm gonna do yet. I kinda like I I might give it a little while longer just to see how I like it. I like this side great. And then probably like, it's gonna be cold this week. And then at some point I'm gonna shave it all off, obviously. No. I'm not it's not gonna be like deep. I, I can't handle that. How about keep it through auction night? We're doing auction next Dude, Thursday. That's a long time. That's <laughs> that's a really we're doing the we're doing the GDD time. auction next Thursday night. Uh, I can't Matt that. I can't we we actually that. still have to have our mandate where we, we do. We, we plan out our auction. But I, I mean, we kind of talked about it. We talked, we talked a lot. I feel like we talked more than this series. Yeah, we talked. Yeah, we talked. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I want to give a congratulations to uh, Frank Stanfield here. He's going to be participating in the NFBC main event. Let's go. What, t- what, time is the, what time is that? That is uh, Saturday the 16th at 1 p.m. Ah. At uh, Stewart. I will uh, be there. Are you going to be broadcasting? I am covering the event. Oh, there you go. So you can rip my team on the air. That'd be great. <laughs> that'd, that'd be, It'd be fun. I'm playing with the big boys, Greggy. I'm going to have to talk to you. I'm going to make you go on Friday, probably. So you're not going to go Friday? Maybe I'm going to make both of us go. Oh, is that a thing? Like, are we officially it's definitely like, broadcasting? We're officially broadcasting days, Friday at 2.30 and, and Saturday at 1. Okay. I mean, yeah. yeah you guys have the super auction. And, uh, I probably can't. Man. I'll talk to you and Mike off the air and figure out how to do this, actually. All right. Anyway. <laughs> um... <laughs> Because I think because I'm going Saturday, I might want you to go Friday, and I'll do the Fanduel stuff from here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To figure out how to balance that. Would I have a co-host? Yeah, you do. You do. Uh, Brad Ziegler, former MLB pitcher, will be covering the covering it, covering it with us. Oh, really? I believe Joe Pizzapio will be there as well, covering it with us. Oh, nice. Yeah, we have a lot going on. All right, we got a little party going on. We do Good stuff. Yeah. All right. So before we hit the break. I brought up Jose Barrios, a guy that we're still waiting on to, to really be an ace. And we thought, a lot of people thought we could see that jump last year. And after a month or so, we thought he did. Came back down to earth and he gave the splits a little while ago. Matt, Jose Barrios, Frankie has ranked one spot higher, you said, than Luis Castillo. Mm-hmm, that is true. Is this the year Barrios puts it all together? I know you've been a Barrios guy in the past. Is this the year he puts it all together? Or is what we see what we get with this guy? 
No, I, I think he makes the uh, step. I think he takes that next step. Uh, I think I have him 21st, Castillo 22nd. So I'm right there with Frankie. And I, I just, I think everything is coming. Everything is, the stars are aligning, as I like to say. He went from 145 innings pitched the previous year. Then he put up 192 last year. The strikeout rate increased. You look at the swinging strike percent, which also increased and confirms the growth in that area. So that's a, a that's a really good thing. The walk rate stayed the same, but what was really key is the first pitch strike went from just below sixty percent to I think just under sixty five percent. That's a that's a nice jump upward. Uh, the xFIP and the ERA aligned, so that's another sign. Looking, you know, everything's starting to con- you know culminate i guess is the word of i was there's actually a different word i was looking for but it slipped my mind for a second but uh, <laughs> even the sierra is right there so you have all these things coming together then okay like we've stated the, the road starts have been a big bugaboo uh you know hopefully now another year of maturity i think he did tire some in that second half he made that jump i don't think he was that sharp I, and uh, and i think the uh i think the stats paid for that so I, it's a guy I really like, and like I said with these four, uh, there's a lot to like with them. Nothing's a guarantee here, but I'm going to place a bet on Berrios. I like Berrios too as well. I don't really like the price right now. You know, in these 15-team drafts, he's going in the fifth round, but look, you have to pay for talent. And I think last year we saw some of that talent come to fruition. The skill's getting better, as Matty Mo mentioned. Career high in swinging strike rate with 11.2%. The first pitch strike rate, as Matt mentioned, uh, jumped by 5%. Career high, 64.5%. I mean, that was kind of something that was uh, that hurt Berrios before is, you know, he's falling behind in counts. Now he's getting ahead a little bit more, throwing those first pitch strikes. And he also had a career high chase rate uh, right around 33%. So it seems like everything's there, right? Like 192 innings pitched last year. It looks like he's taking that step into like workload. He can handle an ace type workload. Yep. For a starting pitcher now, uh, the swinging strike rate, 11% career high, is good. It's not Luis Castillo level good. Like, Luis Castillo is, you know, 13.5%. He's up there with, like, Noah Syndergaard's of the world, like, the top 15 starting pitchers in the league. Uh, but I do like that Berrios is trending in the right direction, obviously. I think really what he needs to work on here, Matt, and maybe you can speak to this as well, is... Arios throws a four-seam and a sinker uh, with that curve slurve. I mean, you've seen gifts of Jose Barrios' pitch. I mean, that breaking pitch is nasty. He needs to continue to develop this changeup. I think that is oh, yeah, the that. that's that's the the pitch that he needs. It's similar to Severino, right, Greg? When we talked about this last week, with Severino needed to develop that changeup, and he worked, I believe it was two off seasons ago, with Pedro Martinez to help develop that pitch, and it's turned into a serviceable third pitch. That's what Jose Barrios needs. He need because if you're just fastball and you know that slurve curveball pitch that he has, you come you become a little bit too predictable. As nasty as the pitch can be, if you're just a two pitch pitcher, that's going to hurt you as a starting pitcher. He needs to continue to develop that changeup. So that's something that I want to watch throughout the spring here to see if he's working on it, if it's working out well. Because if that's something that he can uh, carry over into the regular season, a developed changeup, then I think we can see him take that next step into turning into like a Luis Severino type pitcher, but he needs that third pitch. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, no, I, in my uh, starting pitcher preview for the athletic on the Jose uh, Barrios write-up, I did hey, Matt. indicate. One sec. Yes. Continue. Okay. Uh, he, he <laughs> did, well done, Susan. He, <laughs> he did, I, I did write, he needs to concentrate on that curve, 
slurve, whatever you want to call it. And he needs to correct the change. Uh, I totally agree with Frank here. But this, the big step is if he gets over 200 innings pitched this year, the strikeouts will be there just in volume alone. And as the uh, swinging strike percent improved last year, you know, you could be looking at some really good things from this guy. Like I said, when he's on, you've seen the talent. So, you know, it's there. It's being able to do it over the course of the season. We're talking about Modica from The Athletic. And given what both of you guys have said here, to me, out of the crew that you just named, Frank, in the poll of Marquez, Barrios, um, Castillo, who's the other guy? Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler. I feel like, and I don't think you guys are disagree, like he's the one that can jump into that next tier. Has the best chance, I'd say, of jumping into that next tier than the other guy. Is that reasonable? It's a little bit of a different question than you asked because you're talking about based on ADP. Do you think he has the best chance to go to the next tier? Well, I actually have Zach Wheeler ranked the highest of all these players. Really? Yeah, I have Zach Wheeler inside my top 20, which might be aggressive, but... Uh, and I heard some of the things that uh, Matt mentioned um, when we when he mentioned Wheeler uh, earlier on. I mean, the the bad bit, the home run to fly ball ratio during that stretch last year, uh, it was low. But I think the xFIP is kind of something that you could pay attention to there and maybe expect something like that because uh, his final eleven starts, he pitched to a one point six eight ERA, but he had a three point four seven xFIP. So I believe he could be a sub three point five zero pitcher uh, in terms of ERA with. You know, I think the whip would be good. I mean, the, the walks came all the way down last year. I mean, the walks were, I believe, you know, like 2.7 walks per nine last year, whereas, you know, that was consistently over three. This was someone who had actually struggled with uh, with command in his career. So, look, he was getting people to chase more during that 11-star stretch, the final 11 games. He was 9-1 and one then. Uh, he was getting 45% ground ball rate, limited hard hit rate to 21%. So he's inducing a lot of soft contact here. Uh, he he introduced a new pitch, Greg. Uh, it was he was throwing this uh, the splitter, which he only threw it about like six eight percent of the time last year, but it had a nineteen percent whiff rate. So this is something that I talk about where if you see someone add a new pitch, and especially you know over the second half of the season, he upped that usage up to around eight percent. I mean, even if that comes up a little bit more this year, he throws that splitter ten percent of the time this year, and he's getting a whiff rate around twenty percent. This is a tangible change that Zach Wheeler made to his arsenal last year that made him a better pitcher. Um, the swing strike rate, it's not really at elite levels. You know, I just think, I think he can be a Jamison Tyone type pitcher. Okay. Jamison Tyone is going two rounds earlier. Jamison Tyone's going in the fourth round. Like, I think a lot of people are drafting Tyone this year because they feel he's safe. I don't know that anyone believes that he's going to be like a 10K per nine kind of guy. Right. Like, I think he's going to be between like eight and a half and nine Ks per nine. I think Zach Wheeler could do something similar. I think Zach Wheeler could be a sub-3-5 ERA. I think that's kind of what we're expecting out of Jameson Tyone as well. So I don't know that he has like this huge, immense upside, but I do think that he can jump into this tier with like these SP2-type guys who are being drafted in the you know fourth round because like Tyone, Flaherty, and Clevenger are all going in the fourth round right now of 15-team drafts. Zach Wheeler, you're getting two rounds later, quite consistently in these drafts. I think he can be on the same level of those pitchers. So that's why I have him ranked in that same tier. He's top 20 for me. Matt, you gave a lot of good stats before about Zach Wheeler and what he did comparatively to Luis Castillo. What do you think about him this year? I mean, I have him right behind uh, Barrios and Castillo. And like Frank said, the, the the control... Look, the key thing is not giving back any of those gains in, in that area. He led qualified uh, hitters in MLB, uh, starters, excuse me, on a hard hit percentage, it was like under 25%, which is which is pretty amazing right there. There is a lot 
to like with him. Uh, I agree with Frank. You should always look at XFIP. I don't even look at FIP. I'll, I'll be honest with you. FIP is something I don't even pay attention. I look at XFIP. If I want to look at Sierra, I'll look at that. And there is tons to like the, the splitter, as you mentioned. I put it's almost at that 10% range. It's not quite there yet. But if you can get it there or just above, that's that's gonna be key. Cause if you can get, you know, if you can continue to get the swing and misses with that pitch, adding on to the arsenal, the fastball slider, you know, you could really have something nice. I I would not be surprised if he finishes as inside the top twenty. Uh, the thing with Tyon, to me, I think certain people think he's supremely safe. I think he's safe as well, but to a point. I'm looking more – I mean, I'm more conservative with, with my ERAs and stuff. If he pitched to a 360 ERA and pitched, say, 200-something innings with 190 strikeouts, I would sign up for that right now today. Because I think that's a hell of a pitcher. You know, you, you're really getting something good there. Uh, some people see the 320 ERA last year from Tyon, and they're thinking it's going to get even better. Not that it can't, but I think that's like the 90 percentile of his projection that you're looking at. So, yeah, th- there's a really nice range. My point here is I want to pair these guys with an ace or someone I consider an ace because now I have that floor. I have that base. And if they have a month or two where they're like Luis Castillo last year – you know, it makes it a lot easier to be able to sustain it having an ace. Where if if you don't have that, you're you know you got to get volume here. You need two or three of these guys, and you know you also got to consider when you're well, before you sit in that draft room, especially like Frank, it's gonna be his first time in the NFBC main event. Where am I taking my closer? So now in the sixth round, am I gonna go with? With that end of the fifth, sixth round, if Barrios, Castillo, uh, Wheeler are all options to him, does he take a Brad Hand there? Does he take the starting pitcher? These are going to be things he's going to be confronted with. And I know everybody's saying just avoid closures this year. You can't just utterly avoid closures in an overall competition like the main event. I'm sorry. You can fade them and then spend your whole time on fab, and that's a really tough and I've done it before. It's really tough. It's very time-consuming, and you're going to miss out on like the Juan Sotos of the world, which all your money's getting spent on speculating on closers. Matt so made, that's just Matt made a, yeah. Matt made actually a great point on Twitter late last week, where he said, "Listen, you're going to spend on closer. It just depends if you want to spend your draft dollars, or you want to spend your fab dollars. You're going to ultimately spend. So don't think that like you're not taking them in the draft. You're not going to waste or spend money on them later. You'll be chasing closers potentially all year. And I thought it was a really interesting point." Um, I'm Odiga there. Are you nervous for the main event? Am I nervous? No, Greg. This is, I mean, I've always, this is what I love to do. I love to, I love to draft. I mean, this is the, the best time of the fantasy baseball season is it's draft season. So, I mean, maybe once I get inside the room, I'll get some butterflies or something. Going nervous on. As of right, be, as of right now. And I'll be there. I don't feel anything. But I'll be there, so I'll make you smile. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to bring the pom-poms. Too. I, I, I don't want you to make a sign. I, I probably, you me on. You probably aren't going to want me to. I was sending you text messages during the draft. You probably not going to want to see those. Those. No, I will not be paying attention. I'll shut my phone off during the draft. What if you think I'm the other Greg texting you? You have to answer. Greg Bynan, yeah. who is my co-owner right. for this draft, will be there with me. Oh, we will be side by side. So you can't get that like, confused. <laughs> no, sorry, Greg. Maybe if we have an intermission, I'll talk to you then. Oh. Is there is there like an intermission for this uh, Modi? Uh, after 10 rounds, uh, I believe we'll stop. There should be some food provided. There better be some food provided. I'll <laughs> Do the, uh, people covering the draft get that, the people covering the draft get that food? 
Yeah, you just walk up and take it. Beautiful. <laughs> Who's going to stop you, Tom? <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. Uh, Maddie Mose was right about this, though. Like, when it comes to closer, especially if you're competing for an overall, if you're playing in a roto league, you, like, you can't completely fade closer, right? So you have to make decisions. Of course. And, you know, if you want to if you want to get one of these starting pitchers, you want to get a Castillo or a Zach Wheeler, you want to take one of those guys in the sixth round, then you're probably forfeiting your chance to take a Brad Hand or a Roberto Osuna, or, you know, one of these top-level elite closers that Matt mentioned. Uh, and then you're probably looking a little bit later on. Maybe you're taking a Doolittle round seven, or, you know, I know in the great fantasy baseball invitational, I end up with Wade Davis as my first closer in round nine. It's not ideal. Nope. I don't love it, but I think his job security is pretty good there in Colorado. So, you know, he's one of those top 14, 15 closers where I actually feel all right about his job security. I mean, the numbers might not be great, but... He's still going to give me, you know, 35-plus saves. That's what I expect. So you have to decide. When do you want to take that first closer? You want to take it in round six or round seven? Then you're probably not going to get one of these starting pitchers. If you want to take it in round nine, then you can wait a little bit. And maybe you get, like, a Kirby Yates or you get a, uh, a, a Wade Davis. You get one of those guys as your first closer, but you're not going to feel as safe as that. Or take that closer early on in round six, and then you end up getting one of these, and we'll talk about them, Archer, Tanaka. You get one of those guys in round eight or round nine. So... You kind of have to weigh, like, which combination do I like better? Do I want to get this closer and this starter? Or do I want to get, you know, Wheeler and Castillo and then take a closer later on? Like, these are all decisions that you kind of have to think of before the draft. When we come back, I have a bit of a keeper dilemma. You know it. I want to ask Matt, the excessive starting pitcher as well. Mm -hmm. We'll be back after this. The Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Rainness! Make it rain. Texas cornerback Chris Boyd was asked if he had both his testicles. His answer was, um, y- yeah. I don't, why? Like, why did you hear I only had one? Like, what's going on there? And I don't even know if I could honestly, with a straight face, ask anybody, yo, dude, you got both your, like, honestly, you got both those things hanging or what? What's going on here? Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Can't get enough fantasy football? Roto Experts has launched their FFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, which includes the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the Internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, only at rotoexperts.com. Join the experts live on the air every day by calling in at 844-843-6879 to join the Fantasy Sports Network. Everybody dance now. 
Catch the Go for the Green podcast each week on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network as the Daily Roto crew goes and breaks down the upcoming PGA tournament from a fantasy perspective. Going for the Green talks course history, PGA betting, one done, fantasy picks, and much more. Separate yourself from the field and go for the Green with Daily Roto this fantasy golf season. It's on Audio Boom, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and your favorite podcast provider. All right. Uh, we're back with you here, Fantasy Best Friends Forever. And Matt, I have a bit of a, a personal dilemma here of what I need to do as a keeper. So in my league, I'm keeping four guys. One of them being Nolan Arenado. Fine, that's not part of the story. Well, real quick, this is head-to-head, right? It is head-to-head categories, that's correct. Okay. I'm keeping Nolan Arenado. So that's one of my keepers. I have Blake Snell in the 10th. I'm going to keep Blake Snell. Now I have two more spots. For three guys, two of which are starting pitchers. Obviously, Frank's opined on this a bunch already. I could keep Wheeler in the ninth. I could keep Corbin in the 11th. I could keep Justin Turner in the 13th. Which two of those threes will you keep? I'm going to be honest. I'm a roto guy, but head-to-head, I know how important pitching is. Yep. I'm definitely keeping Corbin. Okay. I, I like the move to Washington. I, I, I like that ballpark. I want to get into Corbin in one and second it, as well. So it comes down to Wheeler or Turner. Correct. And it's and it's a keeper. Yes. Yeah, I mean, JT, I mean, I, I love that bat. I really do. Hmm. I, for the keeper aspect, I'll probably go Wheeler and the head-to-head pitching thing. I think in this format, you can, you can keep Wheeler – Throw back Turner and maybe get Turner. I'm going to take that gamble. Yeah, and that's that's completely fair. And I've been leaning towards keeping Justin Turner uh, as the guy because he's so good in the head-to-head format and basically what amounts to a points league with some of our categories. And he's he's amazing. He's just absolutely fantastic in it. Uh, but Frank's like, I think you should just keep all three pitchers. You grab one more pitcher early, and then you don't have to worry about pitching for a, a very long time. So Frank's saying, keep Wheeler, Snell, and Corbin. Draft an ace, and you get your first four starting pitchers, and don't look back. That's what Frank's yeah. opinion was. I kind of like that. I, I definitely like that uh, that theory that Frank's going with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. I knew Matty Moe was going to agree with me. But <laughs> it also helps to know that you have the first pick, and yeah. it's a keeper league, but Mookie Betts is being thrown That's back right. in. That's so right. So you're taking Mookie first. At your 2-3 turn, you'll probably grab another starting pitcher there. But given the fact that it's a keeper league and every 12 teams can keep up to four players, there's already 48 pitchers. Uh, yeah. like, not just pitchers. There's 48 oh, players well, off I the board. So you, you know, get Mookie Betts. So I do. You're not gonna. You're not gonna get a great. I, I don't know who you're. What starting pitcher you're gonna get there at the two three turn? I don't know. You might get like, actually, one of these like Tyone, like maybe Clevenger. Type you know what? I have a. So I have an idea of who I will get. If you give me a second. It's all right, Greg. Take your time. Live radio. Live yeah, but radio. If you're Go ahead. Do, do whatever you want. And Betts, I, I think you're. You know, having those three pitchers in the head-to-head format. Plus, you already have the third baseman in Arenado, so you don't. I, I think that kind of makes it easier to throw Justin Turner back. Like, do you play with a corner infielder? Nope, utility though. So he would be your utility. All right, well, you know, it's we, not have, as we, big have, of a need. we have two utilities to be fair. Not as big of a need because you already have the third baseman, no okay. Arenado. All right, so I have. Yet, Craig? I, I think this is the right document that I'm opening. Yes. Ah, okay. So the pitcher that I'm looking to on the board, I'm expecting to be. If Walker Bueller, if it's not Walker Bueller, then the top pitcher on the board, give or take, is James Paxton, Steven Strasburg, Zach Grinke, Jameson Tyon, like that tier. Mm. 
Okay. Well, then yeah. maybe look if, if what well, how is Walker Bueller gonna have a chip? How many people can you keep? Four. Right? You can keep four. You got to ask Walker Bueller. Like, has a lot of people to keep. It's very impressive. He's not going to keep Bueller. He might not. He might, he might not. Yeah, but I don't. My point is, Bueller in a keeper league. Bueller's going to let how many? What is it? Twelve teams. Twelve teams. Yeah. Last to twenty-five. I don't know. It's very close. It's very close. I, I definitely take him if he if he were. Well, obviously, if you just want to take a starting pitcher. Like, if I'm just like ranking yeah, those guys, James Paxton is the highest ranked. Get these wealth of arms, and you're gonna have back to back picks here at the two three turn. Mm-hmm. Then you know maybe I'm like I said, I'm, the the head to head points thing is not my game. But sure. if JT, because I, I just know how good the bat is in Roto, let alone you know in real life. So then maybe I would go. Would turn it if you really have a possibility of a Bueller and a Paxton right there, and then you got three hitters and four pitchers. So I don't know. All right, so it's tough. It's tough. Okay, fair enough. Um, I mentioned Patrick Corbin, and he's, I believe, the fifteenth pitcher off the board or so. Um, yeah, he's probably moving up now with Kershaw's. <laughs> yeah, he is. You're absolutely right. He's, he's up to pitcher fourteen. He's up to fourteen board. now. He's right yeah. after Bueller and Syndergaard. Yep, well, he's not right after. He's eleven picks later, but he's the next pitcher up in NFBC ADP. And that's kind of where we left off yesterday. Right? We didn't really get into Patrick or Friday rather. We didn't really get into Patrick Corbin no. um, all that did much. Like the top thirteen, really. right? So Patrick Corbin's a good, uh, good one to kind of jump off to now, Matt. And Corbin, you said you're in on him this year with the move to Washington. Now you look at all some of the advanced numbers; they're all. Pretty good with Corbin. I think we all kind of waited for it to fall off with him. It didn't happen last year. How come you're jumping back in on Patrick Corbin this year? Uh, I mean, I think maybe, you know, realistically, I mean, if he pitches like a 350-ish ERA, I'm totally fine with that. Okay. Uh, if he can, you know, withstand and repeat with the innings, you're going to get a ton of strikeouts as well. Look, you only have to have him for one year. The Nationals are on the hook for six years. So, you know, it's a totally different uh, mindset there. His his slide is one of the best pitches in all of baseball. Uh, We were waiting for him to really make a step, the injuries and stuff. It finally came to fruition. And I, like I said, I'm not saying he's pitching to a 313 ERA, but he pitches to a 350 ish ERA, 200 innings, 230 strikeouts, something like that. Should win a bunch of games too in Washington. Something just doesn't feel right about that. You've been off him, man. You've been off him. I liked him last year, too, but now you're paying the premium for him because he's going in the fourth round. So now you have to pay up for what he gave you last year, and it was a contract year. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying, you know, oh, it's contract year. There's no way he can come close to what he was doing last year. But, you know, the velocity kind of, like, dipped, and I know it came back towards the end of the season in terms of the fastball velocity. But, you know, a lot of some things that I've read about him was that his slider, according to Fangraph's pitch values, was the best slider in baseball mm-hmm. last year. And, you know, he threw it 41% of the time. So, I mean, he throws this pitch a massive amount of time. His his swinging strike rate was 15.6% last year overall amongst all his, pitch, uh, his pitches. That was the second best in baseball behind Max Scherzer. So now he actually gets to go to the Nationals and learn from a guy like Max Scherzer and pitch alongside him. I understand those things, but... I just don't know what made the slider so good last year. Like, in yep. terms of... A lot of things that I've read is that the pitch ultimately didn't change all that much, except he just threw it like fourteen percent more time. Like it was like twenty seven percent. Too though, Frank. What's up? But what happens too is you know the more he's throwing that fourteen percent of the time, and it's addition by subtraction. One of his lesser pitches, he's eliminating fourteen percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Say, so that really does play. Like I, I think you know when a pitcher 
starts to harness, and you see a lot of these slide ball, uh, slider curve guys, you know, really focusing on that. It, I, I think it's addition by subtraction. The more you use a better weapon, and the less you use something inferior, the better you're going to be. I hear you. Kind of makes sense. I hear you on it, but look, I, I the hard the hard hit rate was also really high last year too. Like forty one point seven percent was second in baseball behind my guy Cole Hamels. So I don't know. Something just seems off about him. I, I like maybe it's just like an like an intuition thing. Kind of. I I don't hate him. I still have him ranked like inside my top. Yeah, team. but I feel like whenever he's a top guy on the board, you don't go in his direction. I have him as SP eighteen. So I have him just behind Paxton Clevenger, Tyone Flaherty. I don't know. I feel like you're paying up. For I like his... Corbin better than those guys. Yeah, I know a lot of people do. I don't think he's going to be on my team at that price. That's fine. That's fine. Um, in this tier, though, Matt, you heard some names just now uh, from Frankie, but a name I want to bring up before we get into a Paxton or Tyon even more is his teammate, Steven Strasburg, who I think makes a lot of sense uh, in this area. Strasburg's a guy that, as we said last week, Frank, he was in that DeGrom, Syndergaard, Bumgarner tier last year. And then he got hurt, kind of as he always tends to do. You're getting Strasburg now around pick 61. He's the 18th pitcher off the board, directly behind Paxton and Tyone. But I think you could probably make an argument that Strasburg belongs a little bit earlier than them, maybe. Are you in on Steven Strasburg this year, Matt? At his price, I am. Yeah. Look, I understand it's pretty much every year you got to deal with this uh, you know, injury and stuff like that. The fastball velocity was concerning that it dipped when he came back. He did focus more on the changeup, though, which is his money pitch. But remember one thing. Strasburg, and I've been chasing this dragon for years. The peripherals, the ERA indicators are yep. just too good year in and year out. Mm-hmm. But remember one thing. He's one year removed from, what, a 250 ERA, a fantastic season. The reason we were all drafting yep. him earlier. It's a major headache. I get some people don't want to deal with it. But, I mean, the talent is there. You're not paying a premium price anymore. Look, you're still paying a, a you know early fifth round price, which is expensive. I'm not saying it's not, but you're not paying that second or third round. So if he's my number two, I'm going to take that gamble. Because even if he gives you 150, 160, strikes out 180 to 190 batters, and can pitch to a 330 ERA, you know, with, with some wins, that's a hell of a pitcher. I mean, that's what you're hoping you can get from a lot of the other guys that are going to go after him. Yeah. <laughs> He's not going to be on my team yet. Like, you don't like the Nats in general, clearly. <laughs> I like Max Scherzer. I'll take Max oh, Scherzer nice. in the first round there. Uh, look, with Strasburg, it, it just it comes down to the injuries as well. I can't deny the talent that's there. I mean, you know, over 10Ks per nine. Uh, the whip should be solid as well, but he's averaged 151 innings pitched per season throughout his career. He's only gone gone over 200 innings pitched once. I think what Matt said about you know kind of projecting 150, 160 innings that makes sense for Steven Strasburg. Greg, something that we did with Will Myers, right? Is I looked up his uh, his inside injuries page and kind of listed you all, read it out. all yeah. his injuries. That was right? fun. So this is what I had last year from Steven Strasburg when I looked into his inside injuries page: grade two rotator cuff sprain, grade two ligament sprain, grade two muscle sprain, AC joint sprain, bone contusion, disc herniation in his neck. Now I'm not Doctor A. No, but that does not sound good. Probably not. <laughs> that doesn't sound good if you're a starting pitcher. And probably then, talk Doctor A about Steve this week. Yeah, we should probably talk to him about Steven Strasburg. And just call him Steve know, now. Steve Strasburg. Another thing that Matt mentioned was. <laughs> Is this like a, is this his uh, his oft injured alter personality? Exactly. Is, is, you know me. I, I shorten names. You know that. Um, but you know something else that 
Maddie Mo mentioned here about him is that the velocity declined when he returned too. So another thing that's hard to judge Steven Strasburg is you can't really judge the skills from when he returns from injury because you don't know if he's pitching through injury. Like it's like you can't even you don't even know it, it, when he's pitching whether he's healthy right, or not. Right, right, right. So it's just kind of hard to trust. You know what? I thought that you would coming into this draft season. I thought you would have got more of a discount on Strasburg. I thought Strasburg would have been clo- been going closer to like the, this Luis Castillo range. If I'm being perfectly honest, I thought he would have been more of like a sixth round pick. But he is going in that fifth round range. He's going right after like Paxton and all these other guys, and you know, right around the Berrios range in the fifth round, where you know you could get him as your SP two. I thought you would have been getting more of a discount, to be honest, Greg. Well, what I'm interested in is, like, as a roto player, Frank, yeah, so he's not going to give you 200 innings. But yeah. when he pit, when he's out there, he's usually pretty this good. This is like the Rich Hill effect on steroids. Precisely. It's like when, you know, he's going to only give you 150, 160 innings. But when he's out there, when he pitches on a per start per inning basis, Theoretically. he's going to be very good. Correct. So, look, if you want to take him, that's fine. Like, you know what you're going to get out of Strasburg. And if he ends up going 180, then you profit a lot on this pitcher. But you also uh, I mean, you also need to know like when you're taking him, the pitchers that you take after him, like you can't take a lot of other injury risks after him. Either. Sure. Like you kind of have to build in like and you take Tanaka then after that. Like maybe you have to lean with a few of these guys where like you know you're gonna get innings out of them, like an Archer or like a Jose Quintana or something like that. Mm-hmm. Where you know, like you're gonna have to get innings from somewhere. You know what I'm saying? So like it's kind of like a roster construction thing. What were you gonna say, Matt? No, I think you said that perfect roster construction. But I mean, the, the case with him is the case with James Paxton. I mean, James Paxton has top five stuff in the league. If the Yankees get 180 innings or more out of, out of James Paxton, that is a windfall of riches for any fantasy owner that gets him in whatever the middle of the fourth round or something like that. You, and if you had if you drafted an ace, then you have two aces on your team. Uh, like I said, once again, it does not come without risk. But that talent is, you know, it's, but the point you made, I think, is imperative. When you take guys like this, later on, you are going to need guys. A Jose Quintana becomes a more valuable asset to you because you know you're going to get 180 innings out of him. Frank you loves Jose Quintana. <laughs> you know. I actually read an article on The Athletic, Matt, that, uh, where, where Nando was kind of like polling all these beat writers and stuff, and they, they talked about when Jose Quintana – came back last year, or, like, he did something, uh, he moved himself on the rubber, like, this mm-hmm. is what I'm talking about, where he made a tangible change, and his final 12 starts, he pitched, like, a 3-6 ERA, and with, like, a 23% strikeout. Now, that's closer to the Jose Quintana that we've seen throughout his career. So, he made a change, and he got better because of that change. So, these are things that, like, I pay attention to that, where, okay, I am a little bit more apt to buy Jose Quintana now, whereas, earlier on in the draft season, he was kind of just an afterthought. I think I got him in the great fantasy baseball invitational as my fifth starting pitcher. You get Jose Quintana as your fifth starting pitcher. I feel pretty good about that. So those are type of things where I'm looking at where if someone made a change to where they were pitching on the rubber or to adding a new pitch. I mean, I know that was something big that Mike Florio, our guy, looked into with Blake Snell heading into last season was that he changed where he was pitching on the rubber or, you know, it was something along those lines where like a mechanical change. He did something differently and he got better in the second half two years ago that carried over into the next season. These are kind of like the little things that when you're splitting hairs, you need to find these kind of things that make a pitcher stand out differently than other pitchers going in their range. Matt was going to chime in there. <laughs> <laughs> I, figured I, I figured I'd step back for a second. But no, he's, <laughs> Frank's 100% right. Yes, Chain, uh, Things that you, you can look to, whether it's on the rubber, whether it's uh, mixing up the pitch mix, throwing one pitch more, uh, discarding another pitcher that has not been effective. 
So, I mean, these are things you really do need to focus on. And look at what Blake Snell did when he came back in August. He changed up his repertoire. I mean, you, you look at look at the, the the percentage of pitches he 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 threw and how he threw them. So, I mean, even when you're good, there are things you can get better at. And but even if Cantana pitched to a a three ninety ERA, if he gave you those innings, if you're taking riskier guys earlier, to Frank's point, you do need to fill them in with these guys that will give you innings and can be under four ERA. Maddie Mo, we only have like a minute left here with you with James. Oh, with James Paxton, the home runs went from 9 in 2017 to 23 last year. Now he moves over to Yankee Stadium. Is that something that you worry about? Yeah, the long ball is worrisome. Uh, the fact that he's left-handed, I think, helps him out in that park. But I, I'm always going to bet on the talent here. Um, for me, the main concern with Paxton is the health. It's, it's not the ballpark. I'd prefer him to be pitching in Safeco. The uh, fact that I don't like the Yankees, number one, and number two. But he should get a bunch more wins with that team. So. Over the past three seasons, Greg, James Paxton, 3-5-2 ERA, 1.16 whip. That's that's a top 15 starting pitch. Matt Modica, follow him at CTM Baseball. I read what he has to say at The Athletic. Matt, we appreciate the time. We'll do it again next week. Thanks, gentlemen. Absolutely. We're taking a break. Hour number two is next.